Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. And this morning, or this week, as I was soaking in the text that we'll be covering today, I kept thinking, what's behind it all? Or what's the, really the fuel that would motivate us to, to pursue what we're going to talk about? And I just kept seeing the picture of our Lord and just really all eyes on Jesus. And one of those sayings, Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge, is, is one of our mottos. But Hebrews chapter 12, where it talks about, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I was praying, you know, that's really the, the main thing, just eyes on Christ, and appreciated our worship team leading us into his presence, and I'm just so thankful for, uh, and for this chance to be together. How are we doing today? Everybody, you guys hanging in there? Status check, we're, uh, hey, we are on the last lap of winter, right? And I know this last full week of February. It's, it, I was talking to some friends this week. We just feel like we're grinding it out, but we're almost to March and uh, all that that brings with it. But it does mean that we, this week is an important week and that we only have one week left to eat our favorite chili. So we've got to go out and, and uh, it's go time with the, with the chili, but, but also um, look forward to celebrating spring together and just all that's that's coming. And before we dive into our text, I wanted to just take a minute to say thank you for the opportunity a week ago to go away for a week for what I call the, a vision summit. But it's a week of solitude and prayer with the Lord and seeking Him as to where He would be leading us in our next ministry season. And our ministry year runs from September through August. So it's the 22-23 ministry year. And it's a, uh, a time I look forward to. It's hard to get away or go away in that so much good is happening here. It feels like I'm hopping off a rocket ship, and, and uh, I love the rush of, and the routine and run that we're, we're making here, but it's so good to step away and just be quiet in the presence of the Lord, to, do, um, to listen to Him through His Word, to pray. And to be able to think and plan for the future. And I picture it's kind of like climbing up above the tree line of everyday activity and the whirlwind of everyday activity and looking out to the horizon to what might be and, and what should we be preparing for and where is the Lord leading us in this next year. And I can tell you that um, He is so faithful. He provided the next step and pumped for what's coming. I, um, there Unfortunately, I can't tell you the, uh, the vision piece until September. I can tell you this, though. It is a good place, and I could not be more excited about where we're going. I think it's, if we get there, it's, it's one that will make an eternal difference in all of our lives. And just excited for what God has prepared for us this next ministry year. The, uh, but one thing I can tell you, after climbing up, above the tree line and looking into the long-distance future, I have some really good news. You guys want to hear it? I mean, it is just great news, and it is we win. The, uh, our king is on his throne, and you know, in every, the Russian routine of everyday life, it can get heavy and dark and all those things, but the, don't you love those perspective tweaks where the Lord just reminds you, hey, hey, John, I'm alive? <laughs> 
And the future is beautiful. Our king rules and reigns today. He promised, I will come back for you. I have a purpose for you in this time and this place. I'm with you in it, in the good times and the bad times. And so the words of Psalm 31, verse 24 to us all, be strong in the Lord. Take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So hope that encourages you today as we wrap up February and, and grind it out. Well, today our uh, the text will is that we'll be covering is really at the heart of our theme for this year. Our theme this year is, we've said, okay, let's have a reset around um, who we are as his church and what he's called us to do as his church. So reset, living with a renewed passion to be his church. And the text that we'll be in today is Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. I'll share the big idea up front, and then we'll read through the text and, and we'll unpack it. But here's the big idea. So we watch... We read through this text and watch the early church. It, it challenges us to be his church and really to walk out of this place, hopefully, all of us with a passion to, to be his church. What God gives us through Luke, and, and as he writes, is a summary of the church in motion. So last week we watched as the church was birthed, and now we see the church as it's strong, as it's healthy, as it's thriving, and as God created it to be. And what it does is it calls us up. It's a picture of the church that both is inspiring but also equipping us as we seek to play the part that God has given us in his church. And so the goal today is that um, all of us get a glimpse of the church as it's strong and healthy and that we walk out of these doors just with a new passion to, okay, let's be his church. Let's go do whatever it is that, that he's called me to do in this time and place to, uh, to bring him glory as, as we are his church. So quick recap from last week. Appreciated Pastor Tyson's message and he helped us relive that moment that the church was in the waiting room there in Acts 1 and, and uh, first part of 2 where they're waiting for the gift that God promised and God sends the Holy Spirit, empowers them to be a witness. Peter stands up and he begins to explain preaching a message and a message that Tyson had to cut off, and, and he set me up perfectly to take us into that message today. But, but I'm actually going to um, continue the anticipation, and we're not going to cover that message until Easter Sunday. But it is going to be a good, uh, a good Easter. So Peter will be preaching on Easter um, through that message. But what we're going to do today is fast forward to the end of that message. What happened? And... and um, at the end of it, and then what happens in the church. And so what we'll discover here, or we'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at the takeaways. But if you would, join me in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Luke writes, with many other words, he warned them, Peter warned them, and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord 
added to their number daily those who are being saved. I love that last line that just sums up, who is it that brings, uh, gives us salvation? And it's the Lord that's giving us new birth and adding members to his church. But how does it happen? And it's through the faithful witness of, of his church. But what do, what do we learn or what do we discover in this text? Five marks to a church that is healthy, that is strong, that is thriving. Five marks that both inspire us but also equip us to, uh, to follow in this example. And so the first we see is the mark of a bold witness. Verses 40 and 41 says, here we see Peter, but we know many others are sharing. It says, with many other words, he warned them and, and pleaded with them. So you feel the tone where, where that reality that, that all of us will either see the Lord at his coming or we will die. And the great, most important question is, are we right with God? Have we received the salvation that Jesus came to give us? He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. What was the core message that Peter was preaching and that we'll get to on Easter Sunday? Jesus came, died for our sin, rose from the dead, and offers the forgiveness of sin and eternal life to everyone who repents and believes, follows him. This is the message of, of um, the, what we call the gospel. And those who received the message, they were baptized. So that next step is we, we follow Christ in baptism. He called us to this in Matthew 28. And so right there that day, and I think, man, that's the logistics of that. How'd that work out? <laughs> Lots of uh, splashing going on that day. But, but they took the step. And maybe today you're listening and you realize, I've never been baptized. And you're a follower of Christ. That's a step. I encourage you to, to take even this week or, or uh, jump into that process. But about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so... The first mark of, the, of a church that's healthy, that's, that's thriving, is a bold witness. God empowered them through his spirit to be a witness. Stop and think about the resource that God's given you. And, and why has he given you the Holy Spirit, empowered you with this spirit? And it's the same, isn't it? It's to be a witness for Jesus. Every, and this is the exciting reality, guys. Just let this fire you up. Every baptized believer is a God-appointed, God-anointed missionary for him in whatever realm that you're going to go in, in the lives that, that you're going to teach it or reach. Isn't that a, a cool thought? Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 119 that uh, God would open our eyes to the and grasp the incomparably great power for us who believe. And what's that power empowering us to do? To be a witness for the Lord. He encourages Timothy, who is, was a bit on the shy side personality-wise, and he's, he's like, Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So what are we to witness to? And, and again, just summarizing the life-transforming message of the gospel. Simple reality of this is what Christ did for me. This is who he is. He died for our sin. He rose from the dead, and he offers eternal life, a right relationship with, the, with God through faith in him and, and sharing that with those around us. So how many of us are just like, man, I'm, I'm fired up to go be a witness. I feel strong to do this. I'm adequate. I'm ready to go. 
I, I would say being a witness is what we're all like, you know what, give me a couple weeks on that. <laughs> and, and, and often life is, we're struggling in our own whatever uh, and just feeling weak and we feel inadequate when it comes to being a witness, don't we? But guys, here's the, something that's so important. It's the paradox of the kingdom. When we are weak, we are strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and following, God gave one of the greatest witnesses, Paul, a thorn in the flesh that, that was a, a problem to him. It, it made him feel extremely weak. And he pleaded with Jesus, take it away. And Jesus said, no. Why didn't he take the thorn away, that weakness that left him feeling inadequate? It was to protect him from his greatest threat, which was pride. Our weakness is the perfect platform for the power of God to work, to be displayed, and for our witness to go out. So don't wait to witness till you're feeling strong. Go in your weakness and say, God, here I am. I will point to you even as I feel inadequate. I don't know where this conversation may go. My life isn't quite where I wish it was, but, but I, I trust you in this moment. And Paul says, I have come to delight in my weaknesses. And, and does anyone here feel, enjoy feeling weak? <laughs> I do not like those days, you know, but... As I've walked with Christ, I've realized as hard as it is to feel weak, and it may be a trial that's making us feel weak, it may be our own failure that's making us feel weak, our own inadequacies, those weaknesses, bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm feeling weak, but I'm yours today. Help me be a bold witness for you. Here we go. And God does his work in our weakness. He gets the glory, and uh, he, does, he does his work. And I hope that's encouraging to you. I, the challenge today for us is to be a bold witness. It doesn't mean that we're rude or that we're inconsiderate. It just means that because we're called to be full of grace, you know, and to, to reflect the love of Christ. But we are to be bold with the message that he's given us. This is living in that sweet spot of being like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing and my eyes are open to those opportunities to, to help somebody in their faith journey towards you or to have a spiritual conversation. You just say, what's fueling our witness? It's a vibrant relationship with the Lord. I kept coming back to John 15 this week, and where does all this flow out of? It's that abiding relationship where we're so enjoying the Lord, and we're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. It's out of that vibrant relationship that, that we will witness, and that we are a witness, and often we don't even realize that we're, we're being a witness, but he works through that as I was thinking about some examples of bold witness that's happening around us, I kept thinking about our basketball league. That This is the last week we're praying for this, but about 100 high school students, some of whom who may not know Christ, and to see uh, Clayton and Wes and the coaches and the fellow students just sharing Christ week by week before each game is such a neat picture. And in fact, we had uh, one of the students, Alex Woodard, who was baptized not long ago, this past yesterday, shared... Uh, Christ and was pointing guys to to follow the Lord and just a neat picture of a bold witness that's tough to do to your peers so one of our uh, a guy on our team and Bobby and I are praying for our team we don't know where all of them are with the Lord he's a freshman well I was talking to a guy a friend at the DAC JB and JB's all bulked up he looks like a bit like the rock so this freshman was down working out the DAC saw JB and said, I want to look like that. And he asked him, hey, JB, would you train me? So what'd he say? 
yeah, I'll train you, but you have to memorize Matthew 7 <laughs> in the process. And he's helping his soul. And I was like, man, what a, a bold witness. You know, I, I haven't talked to JV on how that's going, but a neat picture of taking an opportunity that comes his way to, to help somebody in the rock. So I was thinking every week that we get together from now until um, this is going to take us through May, and we, we're going through the book of Acts, just praying that it would be an encouragement to us in our witness. So that, wouldn't it be neat if we get to heaven and you have a bold, bold witness highlight moment on your replay reel, you know, <laughs> that uh, it's like, hey, you stepped out and um, took a stand or, or uh, did, did whatever it was that was scary at the time, but, but you did that. If you're thinking, I could use some encouragement or equipping in this area. Next Sunday, really neat opportunity. We have a four-week class that's part of our discipleship uh, pathway that's happening at 10:30 in the balcony that, or the uh, room behind the balcony. That uh, we've got um, some great instructors. I'm a little biased. My son Chad will be leading that class as well as that uh, Pastor Tyson. But just um, a great opportunity to gain some tools, but also just be encouraged and equipped in, in being a bold witness. Today we're welcoming uh, Mitch and Lydia Delamarter into our church family, and a couple weeks ago I read Mitch's faith story, and so today I thought I'd just go ahead and read Lydia's, and it's, as you listen to this, what, what hit me was how many um, different people were a witness to her or um, helped her in her faith journey, but Lydia writes, I did, did not grow up in a Christian family, however, when my brothers and I were young, my mom took us to Danville United's, United Methodist Church for holidays and intermittent Sundays. As a Danville middle school student, I joined FCA because I saw it as an opportunity to simply spend more time with friends. Through FCA, I met Tyson Harold, who played a significant role in my coming to know and love Jesus. Freshman year of high school, I began attending youth group at Westbridge. Again, I saw this as primarily an opportunity to, to spend more time with friends and fit in with my peers. One morning, Kyle Fox led us in a sermon. He asked us to consider the day that we would meet the Lord. Would we be justified in our admittance to heaven to spend eternity with him? And I, I love that picture of a moment similar to what Peter was bringing before these people. We will die, all of us, one day. Are we ready to meet the Lord? And after hearing this, his, his message and realizing I would have nothing to say to God, I broke down at the immense sense of conviction. Tyson approached me, and we began to have regular uh, meet on a regular basis to discuss the life book and the meaning of the Gospels. This was the first tangible step I took toward a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps I thought at that time that I knew and loved Jesus. However, as I reflect on my story, I realize this is not the case. I attended youth services regularly throughout high school and continued to learn more about who Jesus was. I graduated from high school, began attending IU in 2015. In the first two years of my college experience, I completely abandoned my faith as I attempted to build friendships and fit in through partying and drinking and other things. I've never felt more alone in my life. I truly believe that God used this time to reveal just how much I needed his love, his mercy, his friendship, and, and guidance. The summer after my sophomore year, I decided to become a camp counselor at the YMCA Camp Tecumseh on a whim. That summer, I met some of the, the most godly, faithful people. They supported and encouraged me as I made the decision to live a life led by Christ. 
During this time, I, I reconnected with Mitch, who is now my husband. Mitch served as a great model, motivator, and inspiration as I returned to my secular college and friends. The following summer of 2018, I made the decision to get baptized and publicly proclaim my faith to friends and family. My life has radically changed since deciding to follow Jesus. I aspire to be like Jesus and to embody empathy, humility, and sacrifice in all my relationships. I recognize and find comfort in knowing that all my life events have a divine purpose, especially the death of my sweet, sweet mother. Westbridge and its members have meant so much to me over the years, and I would love to finally serve you all as a member myself. Isn't that a great picture of of, uh, the people of God just coming alongside Lydia um, through different seasons of her life and pointing them to her? Well, moving on, that leads us to uh, the second mark of a what it looks like to be his church, and that is found in verse 42. It's, it's summed, summed up with the word devoted, but uh, check this out. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So what word does Luke use to describe the church? If you had to pick one word, what would it be? And I love it that he picks this word, Devoted. It's a word that that carries the idea of being steadfast, persistent in focus, all in in commitment. It is the opposite of apathetic or lukewarm or or just kind of a, just whatever will be, will be. It's it's, they are devoted, and devoted is one of those, when we're living devoted to something, that thing happens, doesn't it? It's not like optional on the the calendar. It's like whatever it is, it will happen. Our daughter Jessie attends Purdue, and she was sharing this past week that some of her friends who go to every basketball game have already bought tickets to the national championship game <laughs> with the hopes that Purdue will be there, you know, and it's like that's devotion. And you say, well, what was the church devoted to, and what, what are we called to be devoted to? And we see the first one there, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Why? Because this is what Jesus called them to be devoted to. In in Matthew chapter 21, he said, teach them, those of us who would come following after him, everything that I have commanded you. And how did Jesus sum up his teaching? If you were to take the, the apostles' teaching, sum it up, it would be the new command, love one another, Jesus said, as I have loved you. Now, does this minimize the rest of Scripture? No. In fact, it, it um, we, we know one of the core verses, you, we all know John 3.16 for salvation, but another core verse that you just want to know, Colton, thankfully it's a 3.16, it's 2 Timothy 3.16, which we'll go ahead and put it on the screen, Scripture, all of Scripture is God-breathed, meaning inspired, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. New Testament, Old Testament, all of it, but what the great, or the new command Jesus gives us, helps us remember is, what's the end goal for knowing Scripture? The end goal is, what, what is spiritual maturity? It's living with an all-out love for our, our God and a radical love for each other, the love of Christ for one another. And so they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, which leads, and it's interesting, if, when we're getting it, what's that lead to? It's a, a life of love, which brings us into community. They're devoted to the fellowship. 
The word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which is the idea of sharing life together in an, at an intimate level, family level. The, uh, what fuels our fellowship? It's our common love for the Lord and love for each other. And as I think about what God has created in his church, I think what a gift, especially today. We know the studies are all over the place. Loneliness is an epidemic. We long to belong. We were created to belong and connect with each other. We were made in the image of God, relational beings, and yet we struggle with it, don't we? And we feel the alienation, never more connected on social media, never more disconnected in, in real relationships. And, what, and then you look at what God created in the church. They were devoted to the fellowship, to each other, and all the one another uh, commands we see in Scripture to encourage and support and all these things being lived out. What a gift God has given us. A church that's healthy and strong is full of members devoted to the fellowship, which leads to, and this was the one that caught me off guard this week. I've never heard a message preached on what I'm about to share, but they were devoted to the breaking of bread, which is having dinner together. Can, did I just hear an Amen. <laughs> that's an a- application step. step. We're, I can do that. We're ready to take that. Devoted to sharing meals together. It, it challenged me. You know, I was thinking about, and many of you are in that season of life where you have kids and you're out front in every direction. We struggled to be devoted to meals together as a family. <laughs> and, and I think, why? We're so busy. And, and then as a church family, you know, we, we feel the same struggle why is this so important? Why did they devote themselves to meals together? When you stop and think about it, something happens over a meal, doesn't it? Where it's, you slow down enough just to look into each other's eyes and it's life on life and, and you share things and random things come up and you get to know each other and, and be known. I love this picture of, you know, church is not something we we go to and attend like and this is a good our corporate worship is an important part of church but if this is all there is where you like come in and you get filled up like a gas station for the week and then you just go out without knowing anyone it's gas station living imagine doing your life and you don't have home you have gas station it's like that's not life (laughs) the 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 gift of, of the church is home it's family it's one another it's having a brother and having a sister who love you with the love of Christ and, and you know them and they know you and, and you share life together. I love the way Max Licato puts it. Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Isn't that good? Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. Consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the, on the day of Pentecost. So you have Jews standing with Gentile, men worshiping with women, slaves and masters following Christ. Can people of such varied backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? And we wonder the same today, don't we? Like all these different views, can we really get along together? Well, the early church did. Without the aid of sanctuaries, church buildings, clergy, or seminary, they did so through the clearest message, the message of the cross, and with the simplest of tools, the home. 
and the dinner table. Something happens around the dinner table that that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expression of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there's time to talk. We've got all night. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, which is healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending a message. You matter to me and to God. You may think you're saying, come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is, I'm worth it. As I read that and I think about, what, were, what was the early church devoted to? Breaking bread together. It fires. Let's be his church. Amen? Let's break some bread together. And some of us are thinking, let's go do it right now. But we've got some more, some more uh, truth to cover. But what a beautiful picture. And then what else are they devoted to? And this is what just naturally flows out of sharing life together. You end up saying, let's pray together. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Joining together as they talk with the Lord. Prayer is not an afterthought. It's the core of what we do as we do life together. I think of this past week and just what a privilege it was as a church family to, on 7.30 Monday morning as little baby Reagan Conover was being wheeled into open heart surgery, we gathered and we prayed. And churches, I know other churches around the country were praying. And as the surgeons went to work, heaven heard Reagan's name again and again and again. And God gave the surgeons the grace to do this surgery, and, and she's on the road to recovery, continuing to pray for her. But, but what a privilege. Here's a neat thought. How many kingdom dreams get birthed around a dinner table or around coffee where some brothers or sisters in Christ are talking and thinking, what if we did this? What if we tried that? What if to advance the kingdom of God, to share the gospel with those who don't, don't have it? And we think, we dream, and we sketch it out on a napkin. There's the plan. And then what do we do? We pray, Lord, if this is of you, would you bless this little napkin? And God does some things that, that uh, only he can do, which leads to the next uh, piece Mark of a church that's thriving. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Third mark is that we're filled with awe. This is living awake to the wonder of what God is doing around us. And this day, it was signs and wonders through the, uh, to help the early, establish the early church and validate the message of the gospel. Who did the signs and wonders in this day? It was, it was the apostles. God empowered the apostles. And, and what was the purpose? A sign does what? When, when you see a sign along the side of the road, it points to something. What was these signs, these miraculous signs that we'll, next week we're going get to get to relive one that's really cool. What were these all pointing to? The sign wasn't the point. The, the sign was pointing to the point, which is Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Trust him and live. So interesting when uh, even as we read Acts and move into the rest of the, the New Testament, what happened to the signs and wonders? Can God still do signs and wonders? Absolutely. And I, he can do whatever he wants and is doing signs and wonders. But as a regular practice, the signs and wonders faded. 
Even the apostles didn't have the, the same power to do things later on. Why? And you'll see this as God, anytime something new starts, happens in the, the plan of God, often it is accompanied by signs and wonders. Exodus and the delivery and the coming of Christ and the birth of the church. But why no more signs and wonders like they were being done here? The church is the sign and wonder. Is God any less powerful or any less at work today than he was back? No. But how is he working? Through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, coming into the, the body of Christ, unifying us, and then the church becomes a sign and a wonder to a watching world. So Jesus told the, church, the disciples, you will do greater things than these in, in John. To which if you're a disciple, you're like, okay, wait a minute. You fed 5,000 people with the lunch. How are we going to do greater things than these? But what has happened? Over 2,000 years, how many billions of hungry people, physically and spiritually, have been fed through the generosity of the body of Christ, giving into, uh, out of their, uh, often poverty, but, but out of their wealth, to, uh, to meet needs in, in the name of Jesus. And greater things than these, billions of people have had their needs met and are continuing to have their needs met through the church. One quick side note on signs and wonders. Matthew 24 is a text you want to know because Jesus talks about what the end times will be like. And he tells us in the end times, the world's going to get crazy and the devil will be given power to do signs and wonders that will deceive many people. And so... If we are in the end times, you see somebody doing signs and wonders and speaking anything other than Christ, it's not of him. The one sign and wonder we're waiting for is the glorious coming of Christ. We, we will not miss that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's important that we um, are, not, are not deceived. That's another talk, another message, but side note. Um, but today, we can live filled with awe at what God's doing around us. Next, Mark, we see of a, a thriving church is radical generosity. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so here Luke is giving us a window into, into the heart of these, these believers. Their devotion to Christ leads to an open-handed generosity to meet the physical needs of, of those around them. And as I was reading this, it left me at just a praise moment for what God is doing in our church family. And this is reality. We have a deacon fund that you can give to that um, is aimed at specifically the financial needs of anybody who calls Westbridge home. And guys, today that fund is in surplus. So as far as I know, there are no needy uh, needs that are, that are among us. If there are, though, would you please let us know? And I know it's hard in our culture, but, uh, but that's why we're here for each other. And as we give... Uh, to that fund as a church family. It's to help when one of us is going through a hard time just to be there for each other. But another uh, really exciting moment was um, we have our ministry fund budget, our general fund, which fuels all the ministries of our church and countless ways that, that that's advancing the kingdom. But it's, we, we had a challenging budget this year. Not only are we meeting budget, we, have, we are exceeding it in December to the point that we were able to uh, put $49,000 towards the principal of our Love Makes Room loan, facility expansion loan, which dropped our loan for the first time ever under a million dollars, and we are at this point. Just a thank you, Lord. 
we're praying within the next couple of years to be able to knock out this debt, which would allow us to, to put funds towards advancing the kingdom of God in other ways. And so just want to say a, a huge thank you to all of you for um, supporting the ministries of, of our church family and for your radical generosity. Recently, a, a new attendee heard about our high school mission trip and came to a leader and said, I want to fund, pay for a student to go, which is $1,000 plus. And our leader explained to her, if you gave to the Thanksgiving offering, you've already helped out. So you, you've already helped. You don't need to do that. And she said, no, I want to. Is there a student who has a need? I want to pay it because I was on a, a high school mission trip one time, and it changed my life, and I want to pay that forward. And I heard that story, and I was just like, yep, that's church. Radical generosity, meeting the needs of those around us. And then the fifth mark of a, a thriving church is following Jesus together. And verses uh, 46 and 47, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The emphasis in this portion of the text is together. They uh, love the picture there where they're together in big group. So corporate worship in the temple courts, but they're also together in their homes, in their small groups. And what marks their togetherness is they're glad, they're happy, and they have sincere hearts. They, they just want what's best for each other. And what's neat at the end of it, it, their time together crescendos into praise, praising God. So there's worship, and then also it, it, uh, their time together expands into a winsome witness. It says they enjoyed the favor of all the people. We know in Christianity, um, whenever it hits power or idols in a culture, persecution comes out. So um, Jesus was crucified because he hit the power structure of the religious leaders, and we know this will happen for the church, and God will use the persecution actually to scatter them. But in the neighborhood where people aren't worried about power, the church people are loving this new community <laughs> where, where the radical love is being poured out. And who doesn't want a Christian to be your neighbor? They'll love you like Jesus loves. Or, or that love, love is, is radical, and, and we see that in this first century. Today you may be wondering, how can I connect and experience the togetherness that, that, um, that we see in the early church? Or God's just nudging your heart to be devoted to the fellowship. And so what's your next step, or what's a way that you can live this out and one way is through our small groups. Um, this is just core to, to connecting and care, and Pastor Tyson oversees these. You can um, let us know if you're interested in being a part of one of these or leading one of these, and uh, we'd love to, to have you be a part of that. It's a group of 8 to 12 people that meet a couple times a month and follow Christ together. Another way to connect is through our classes. So every Sunday, we offer uh, at least two, but usually three classes where it's a more of a less intimidating way to, to slide into a, a, a smaller group, and it's where teaching happens, and we have one at 9, one at 10.30 in the fireside room. We'd love to have you in those. If you're not a member yet, I encourage you to, to consider uh, throwing on the team jersey and joining as a member. The, the next step in that is our Connect 101 course, and that's happening in May, and so we're already signing up for that. We'd love to have you. That. Another way to connect is through serving on a ministry team. 
And one of the easiest ways, but also fun ways, you serve on a ministry team, you meet a friend, our guest services ministry is always looking for people to help out. Just be a welcoming presence, hold a door, welcome people as they come, and we've got a spot for you there if, if you'd enjoy that. The other thing that I would encourage you as a church, we're always throwing out ideas just to connect in ways that we're having fun. And these are um, part of just breaking bread together in, in that category. So Doug and Linda lead a bike group that rides on Tuesdays. It's, I, I don't think we're riding yet, are we? But spring, it's coming. But uh, our volleyball league, our softball league, our, um, just having fun together and encourage you to, to look for ways to, to connect in that, just having fun and, and common interest groups. All right, so bringing it all together, the, uh, this text, as we read this and think about, see the, this picture of the early church, it, it moves us to ask the question, what if? What if every one of us um, are living this out? And we begin to live with a new, new passion. Lord, I want to be your church. Help me be your church. What if we go out of this place and say, Lord, I'll, I'll be a bold witness for you. What if we up our devotion, shake off any apathy or, or lethargy and just say, all right, I'll be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And what if we're living awake to the wonder of what God is, is doing around us? And then what if we... Uh, willing just to, Lord, here I am, use me, radically generous, and then I'm following Jesus together in a group. What might God do? And I can't wait to find out. And I, church family, you are already running this direction, but I think the Lord's challenging us today. Let's, let's step up. Let's go hard after him. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.